0: I'm kind of scared. I'm the married guy here and all of you are single and you could take over the church right now if you wanted to. Anyway, so good of you all to be here tonight. You, uh, I hope, will just understand that our heart, uh, I've had many years being here, people say, hey, what about single stuff? And many of you have been here faithfully, we appreciate that. but. We really want and have a heart to really expand what we're doing. And this is a first go during our marriage series. And I want to say a couple things about that. Some of you might have been here earlier and you're coming to a second service today. And I appreciate that. But um, I appreciate... The fact that our church is committed to good marriages, and I think that's a very important thing. But a lot of our people, I'm surprised how many in our church are single, and we want to really communicate to you how much we care about you. So a couple things I want to mention. Pastor John will be teaching this next week at the same time. He has a message God's put on his heart for uh, uh, Sacred Singles. And then um, I want to say this, not in my notes, but uh, earlier in the service, uh, John preached a message. Half of it is just amazing for singles. So I wanna recommend, it's a good way, you can get it online, but if you're really interested, in uh, something very unique that we're doing. We're doing this thing called Five at Five. And it's tomorrow, it's Sunday at five. And it's very different. It's a one-hour service. It's more connecting. It's it's a little different. And if you're interested, come and hear that message again uh, that John talked, because there's a lot there for uh, everybody who's both married and single. So the question is, why are we doing this, all right? Well, because everybody was calling me up and saying, hey, we feel left out. no. (laughs) because you just just need help. No. Here's why. You're at a place where you want to celebrate your life. And many attempts at singles ministries and churches have this kind of uh, this, this mindset of, oh, woe is me. We're going to celebrate this. We're going to celebrate in this series and talk about Jesus in your life. We want you to know that Jesus knows where you're at and he cares about where you're at. We want you to have good relationships. We want this to be a springboard to other ministries. So that's why we're doing it. So uh, hopefully all of you got notes on the way in. If not, we probably have some there in the back corner, but get those notes out, get your pens out. We're gonna have some fun here. First of all, sacred. This series is called Sacred Singles. So let's break that down. Sacred, the definition means this. It's on your notes. Considered worthy of spiritual respect or devotion or inspiring awe or reverence among believers in a given set of spiritual ideas. Pretty good. Single. I left that blank because I wanted to give you this definition. Considered a state of loser, lonely, and not as important as a couple. (laughs) Nobody wrote that down. What's up with that? Now, you're looking at me like, oh, that's kind of cruel. Listen, so many singles I meet communicate that they're feeling that, they're believing that, and that's not the truth of God, all right? Now, it's kinda like weird when you pair those together, if I use my definition of sacred and single, all right? It doesn't work together, does it? Those two definitions don't pair up well. It's like this, you don't pair something of great worth We talked about sacred with something considered of no value. But a lot of singles that I meet don't feel that they're valuable. It's kind of like having an exquisite meal served on a dirty paper plate. And everybody said, yuck. Yuck. What about driving a $4 million Lamborghini Veneno in a mud pit race? (laughs) Stupid. How about a Gucci gown on a pig? (laughs) Oh, wait, people do that. (laughs) I've seen that. I'm sorry that didn't work. Here's what, if you believe that about you as a single person, the contrast of the world and what God offers and what the world offers. I want you to know today God offers love. The world offers lust. And lust isn't just sexual, by the way. God offers life. The world offers thrills. God offers depth. The world offers escape. God offers truth. The world we live in offers easy answers. So I want you to do something tonight. I want you to take a minute and write in that definition. And that's why I left it blank. Your definition of single. Let's take a moment and do that. Get a pen. Write it out. I gave you the sacred definition. Now you take a moment. You write your definition of single. While you're doing that, I'll sing a song or something. And everybody that's heard me sing said, oh, please don't do that. All right, let me give you the focus of this message. Several weeks ago, uh, when John gave the okay to move this direction, I was so excited about it. I I have a lot of you guys that are friends in this church that I love. A lot of you are just friends. I, I don't separate single from married. I have a lot of single friends, a lot of married friends, just friends. And so, but we have a lot of conversations about everybody's station in life, what they're going through. And so when I knew we were going to do this, started talking to a lot of you, started getting some input. But the Lord put on my heart just this idea of someone in the Bible who was single. And it just struck me at the relevance of their life and how it would apply to us today. Uh, His name was Joseph. How many knows about Joseph? Okay. Do you know the greater part of Joseph's life and journey took place as a single man? Think about that. The greatest adventure spiritually of his life took place while he was a single person. So I looked at his story and I saw some of the issues that he faced and it gave me some insight which will serve as the focus of this message. So if you'd like to follow in your notes, let's start with Genesis 37 three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his sons because Joseph was born when he was an old man i got to ask the first and most foundational question of this today because it goes back to that definition of single. Are you, a, are you family or an orphan? Are you family or an orphan? Here's how that works. A family, you have rights and privileges. All right. I don't know about your family growing up. My family grew up. I was the son of my parents, and I had certain privileges as a part of that family. All right? An orphan, though... Has no family and they fend for themselves. And they're on their own. And so, with a single mindset, here's what I've found. A lot of singles strive to make things happen. A lot of times, younger singles are trying to figure life out and maybe find that one or find that certain career. A divorced single may struggle with pain and guilt or doubts about themselves widowed singles, or adjusting to life without someone. There's all these things that take place, but you have to define tonight, are you a family member or are you an orphan? Because if you're an orphan, you're gonna be here and spend a lot of days of your life trying to make this work, figuring it out, trying to push things that shouldn't be pushed, and you all know what happens with that, right? Usually a mess. But when you're part of a family, you get rights and privileges. Actually, Ephesians tells us something pretty amazing. Even before the world was made, God chose us, that's all of us here, for himself because of his love. He planned that we should be holy without blame as he sees us. God already planned to have us as his own children. This was done by Jesus Christ in his plan. God wanted this done. God knew where you would be this night, He knew the things you'd be struggling. He knew who you were and who you're meant to be. You're a part of his family. You don't have to try to make life happen. You don't have to try to force things. You have to just have a relationship with God, let go, live for Jesus. And that leads us to our second point, Genesis 37, 5. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. All of us are here today with a dream and a promise is what I wrote in your notes. I have a great spiritual heritage. I grew up in the church. Some of you may have, some of you may have not. But as a child, God began to shape me with the direction of my life. Some have a clear dream like I had. Some have a clear dream like Joseph. A lot of you are trying to figure that out. You're listening and trying to learn. What is the promise? What is the dream for your life? But I want to make clear you understand this. A dream is not about goals, all right? For example, some of my single friends Kindly have said, I want to be married. I'd like to have 2.4 kids. That 0.4, I don't know how that works out, but good luck. I want to make $100,000 a year. I want to live in a house with a big backyard. I want a white picket fence. That's a goal, it's not a dream. God never gave you that dream. It's a goal you have. Nothing wrong with a goal. I'm just saying it's not the same as a promise of God or a dream. What is it that God has put in your heart? Deep down, if you clear away all of this stuff, if you realize you're a child of God, if you realize you're a part of his family and he has a purpose for you, if you'll accept that fact, then you'll know that today God has a dream and a purpose and a promise for you. You see, Joseph did not see the wealth and the fame of Egypt. His dream was a dream of a famine and a solution that God had given him. Often our dream or promise of God is to bring something, Not to get something. A lot of our dreams are a promise of God to bring something, not to get something. What is your life about right now? Is it in a get mode? Not get mo. (laughs) Get mode. If it is, I can say you're gonna miss God's dream and promise for you. And interesting to that verse, there's always dream killers. Everybody known somebody that hated you for having a dream and a purpose and a promise? They just didn't like you. Sometimes it's your single friends, right? Sometimes it's your married friends. Sometimes they're kind of just getting in your face and making you really mad and uncomfortable. Those that hate God's promise in your life will work against you. And I think the point I want to make there is don't be surprised. There are going to be people who are going to look at your promise, look at your dream and say, ah, I just want to say this. I just want to stop and say this. I just feel like God wants us to say this. You're very precious. This is called sacred singles. But this message isn't really about singleness. It's about your place in Jesus. And the fact that he cares and loves and has a promise and a purpose for you. And you have let go of that. And I want to say, don't let those haters, don't let those people who doubt you direct where you're going with your life. There's gonna be a lot of adventures we see in Joseph and you'll probably experience some of this in your life. But the fact is, I wanna just rekindle in your heart this very night, a brand new dream, a promise that God has given you. And usually it's not this grand dream like Joseph, but it's deep inside, it's a part of you. And you know, there's something about your life that God made you for. And I want you to really know that He is with you and get away from those that are not going to support that and help you. Genesis 37, 22. Reuben then said, Do not put him to death. Throw him into this hole here into the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. He wanted to be able to save Joseph and return him to his father. So you have a promise and now you have a pit. And everybody here says amen. You ever feel buried with life? Just buried. I would call this for all of us, our first real, uh, a guy's term is gut check. Y'all guys know what I mean, a gut check Maybe, maybe a better word for everybody is a heart challenge. What do you do when it all goes down, literally? Some of you have experienced that maybe through divorce or a heartache or something. What do you do? What do you do when you're feeling like your life will never get out of a rut, that you get up, you go to work, you hang out with the same people, and it just feels same old, same old every day, and you're just feeling so empty? You're in a rut, What about having a spouse or a family member sell you out? That's what happened here to Joseph. What about losing a loved one and feeling like you're looking up from a deep hole? All of us in our life have experienced a pit. We have felt buried. And this is the first test of God's promise. Listen, very clear, hear this. Sometimes God has to do something in us before he can do something with us. There's a lot to that. I pray that thread flows through this night and every part of this message because you might be in a pit and God might be trying to do something in you before he can do something with you. I don't like the pits, but I know I need them. What have I learned in my pits? I've learned to trust God. I've learned that those are the moments I have to just say, I don't have it. I'm not all that. God, I need you. I really trust in you because I am still your child, I still have a promise, and you still have a purpose for my life. Pastor John has said many times, those of you in a pit or in times like this, he says either you're running to or from God. I know this, a lot of times people who are struggling in a single life feel burned or angry at God. Because they had this dream and they had this promise, they feel like, why isn't it going anywhere? Why am I stuck? Why can't I get out of this? And so they start looking at God and getting angry. I know that John's statement is so simple there, but it's so true. Either you're running to God or from God. So if you're in a pit, the first challenge is to really let go of your life and to trust God because he has a plan. Genesis takes us to that next part, 39 verse five through seven. From the time that he watched over his house and all he owned, all right, if you know the story of Joseph, he was taken from the pit, sold to a man named Potiphar, and he put him in his house, and he did very well. And he did prosper there. Said, The Lord brought good to the Egyptians' house because of Joseph. The Lord brought good upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he put all that he owned in Joseph's care. Having Joseph near, he did not need to think about anything but the food he ate. Now, Joseph was strong and good-looking. He kind of takes that after me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm neither strong nor good-looking, but I'm here. The time came when his boss's wife saw him, and she said, lie with me. Wow. Is there a lot in that passage or what? I call this the little palace. See, you're in that pit, good things happen, God's blessing you again, you're prospering, and guess what happens every time when your life gets good? Go back in there and underline the idea of temptation. When it starts going well, look out for temptation. Something about good things create sinful opportunities. Right? There's a lot here. I don't know if I want to spend the time, but I love that whole passage of Scripture because um, I'm going to use a dumb example. So know it's dumb before I even say it, okay? Years ago when we were youth pastors, we would work at youth camps with teenagers, okay? And we would have this amazing God-filled experience, great response to God, great worship, and everything. But then the rest of the night, after the service dismissed, we were chasing kids out of the bushes that were kissing. <laughs> Why was that? Well, isn't there this great place when God is good and you feel happy again? And, and it's just so easy for the enemy to just come in and just say, Things are good. God loves you. Now go sin. (laughs) Happens. David's a perfect example. David's really achieved in the Bible the pinnacle of success. He's on the rooftop and what do you know? Here's what happens. David's a great example too. Actually a different contrast than Joseph. When men should be fighting the battle, they're kicking back on their roof watching naked ladies. And that's when you get into trouble. Boy, I got quiet. Guy, <laughs> you say naked ladies and all singles freak out. I don't know what the deal is. Just kidding. Listen to this. Why is that important? You need to know that the enemy is very skillful at coming alongside when you're in that little palace and to say, it's okay to move this direction. Let me put it down to really maybe something you might be experiencing. Sometimes a couple singles kind of match up and they start dating and God is doing neat things. We find ourselves at those times really tempted. Be aware of that. Be prepared for that. Allow the Lord to build into you this wall and understanding of protection. And I think it's important that you understand in temptation. Look, there's a lot here that we could say about temptation. Okay? All right? You can't underestimate the impact of that decision and what it would mean. I look at the story of Joseph, and here's what I look at. What would have happened if Joseph, this good-looking guy, gave in to his boss's wife? What would have happened? All right, we can just guess, but the idea of that dream and promise for Joseph was to bring an answer to Egypt's famine, which in turn affected his family and gave them food as well. See, God always has this great plan in the middle of the good times to take you down because he knows that if he does that, you don't get to live the dream. You don't get to experience the promise. It's so important to understand this. And, and I, hey, I'm not you know, getting into a sex talk tonight. That's not the purpose. But I do wanna say in our culture today, it's so easy to move down in areas that are outside of purity. It is easy to move into places that are compromising. And it matters to God. It matters to your purpose and your plan to be pure. I want to say we're all tempted. You are all tempted in areas sometimes of purity. right? And that could come in different ways. And guys, it may look different to you than it would to one of the uh, ladies here. But here's what I want to say. If I'm talking to couples tonight and I'm using the reference that John's going to use this weekend if you get a chance to see the message from Ephesians. There's this place of honor about women, and honor represents this mindset of value. And our culture, all right, let me try to explain it this way. Our culture devalues women greatly, okay? Either they're an object, all right, of some kind of lust, or they're, they're they're demeaned in a way, okay? Now, I'd so we say, well, yeah, but we have, we've, made, we've put women on pedestals. Look how great they are, okay? That is an honor. It's different. That is uh, success. That is uh, some form of, uh, 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 you know, applause from people. Uh, you look at some of the ladies today that are out there, very rich and very successful in whatever field they are, they're not honored. There's a difference, all right? And I think we've got to come to an understanding where we realize that God honors women in a way that is amazing. And I think we have to be careful that when we look at that and the temptations that come our way, that we're getting away from honor that God gave and respect that God gave to men. It matters that you're pure. I, I don't have it here on the notes, uh, but... Recently, in our teaching team, we share different articles that we read. Two different articles, different, a lot of them are independent. But, um, and I'll give you a third stat here in a minute. But um, I read the most amazing thing. And if anybody wants to email me, I'll send you a link to it. Um, For years, the church has said, don't get physically involved, okay? And most church people get physically involved. I'm a pastor, I know that. Anyway, uh, and so... God had a purpose in that all along, and science is catching up to the Bible. And I found out through this amazing study, actually Pastor Dan sent this to me, that the way God created us, there are certain connections that happen in your mind and your body biologically with sex. And it leads to what God intended to be that one flesh thing. Blew me away, I don't wanna spend all my time on that, but it's a very interesting article on that, okay. I know today culture says it's okay to live together. I understand that. I get that. But from a statistical standpoint, the interesting thing is people that live together have a greater failure rate of marriage than people who don't. Okay. There's a lot of things out there that we could go through. I don't want to say, I'm just saying real quick, be pure. It pays off. Genesis 20 or 39, 20, 21. So Joseph's boss took him and put him in prison. The place where the men who did wrong against the king, were put in chains. So there he was in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him kindness. He gave him favor in the eyes of the man who watched over the prison. This is called prison point. Here's what I want to say here. Who you are is important because what happened to Joseph in this prison is he found favor in the eyes of the people who were in charge. God gave him that favor because he was a man, a person of God. Who you are in prison is important. Now, here's the difference of a pit and a prison, all right? It was a heart check, a gut check, a heart challenge at a pit, okay? But in a prison, this is where you find out who you are. Pits are temporary. Prison can be long-term. And so often with singles of all ages, the struggle is about... In your mind, or at least in the mind of a lot of the singles I met, is finding the right person. If I find just the right person, my life will be whole. It will be right. And and this is not my opinion, it's from talking to a lot of you. But I think what God wants to do in our situations that are long-term and difficult is to find out who we are. And so the statement there is it's not about finding a right person, but becoming a right person. I heard a story the other day, it's very interesting. A girl uh, had grown up in the church and knew about God, but kind of in college, got away from that and just started living a little different kind of a lifestyle that she was raised in the church. She came back from college, starting to get back in in church, and just really wanting life to work out for her. And she went to the church, and they had a singles ministry, and she met this great Christian guy who had great values. He loved God. And he was, she was just, he was the perfect package. He was just perfect for her. And I'll shorten the story, but she comes home, and she'd been going to these uh, singles Bible studies or something. She'd come home, and she shared with her mom, Mom, this guy is amazing. He loves God. He just, he's just amazing. Now, mom blew her away. And this sounds cruel for a mom to say, but she said, Honey, Christian guys like that don't date girls like you. And the girl telling the story said, I just all of a sudden realized what kind of person I was. I fell on the floor in tears, started crying. But out of that, she decided to change the person she'd become and become the right person. I know it's easy to go out and to read and to study and to go all the online stuff and to find that right person. I know that. But you know what? God is more interested in the person you're becoming. And if you will spend more time there, trust God, he'll take care of the rest of it. God looks out for his kids. And Joseph here had favor, and God took care of him. The pit, we make a choice to trust. The prison, we make a choice to be used. Prisons are about who we will become. So often we feel we'll be complete if we just have that right person or circumstances, just because... I do a lot of, I love doing weddings, okay? There's a, I see a couple here, some that have come with their single friends that I I get a chance to do their wedding. Not looking anywhere in particular. One of the best weddings. It's amazing. We were up at Garden of the Gods. It was awesome. And I love doing weddings. You you knew that. I love doing weddings. And when I talk to couples, they all have the right intentions. They want it to work out. They have love. They, you know, all this crazy, crazy talk. Sadly, though, a lot of them end up in heartache. I have this statement here. Just because you say I do doesn't mean you will. We can make a promise, but that doesn't necessarily define the person we are. And I want you to know that for Joseph to find out the real person he had become was why God was able to take him in that prison and bless him and move them forward in the plan of God. If you hear anything tonight, hear that point. Who are you becoming? You're a child of God. All the resources of heaven are available to you to become the kind of person God wants you to be. So last one, Genesis 41, verses 43 through 45. And we're just catching the end of the story, so I just wanted to keep the notes simple. He had him travel in his second wagon of honor. Literally, the Pharaoh went first, and Joseph was right along beside in the second wagon. They called out in front of him, bow down. Pharaoh put him in power over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I'm Pharaoh, but unless it is your will, no one will raise a hand or a foot in all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph the name of... Anybody want to pronounce that for me? Anybody want to take a shot? Let's try it together. Zaphnath paneah Close enough, right? Listen to this. He gave him a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, who was the religious leader of On. So Joseph went out through the land of Egypt. There's not a lot said about his wife. Later on, we're told about children. All right, if you go back and read this passage in Genesis, Joseph was actually 30 years old at this time. So we finish with this last part, big palace. And I put there, living the dream, question mark. Do you think Joseph's dream was to be married, have a family, wealth, and success? If we go back to the beginning, we know that wasn't the dream. Everything that we read there in that passage was the fruit of following God and staying true to his promise. There's a reason a lot of times we don't get that because we just don't stay there. There's a lot in that. See, his dream was to provide a plan for future families through the famine time, but God's plan was to provide a plan for salvation for Joseph's family, for Egypt, and then it carries us into the captivity of the egyptians hundreds of years ago moses leading them out of captivity there's a whole great story there but it come down to this it's pursue god it is no matter where you're at to be a sacred person to understand that place of holy honor before god you have to pursue him it's not on your notes but if you want to write down hebrews 11:6 I like this version, New Century version, it says this. Without faith, no one can please God. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is real and that he rewards those who truly want to find him. I so desire with all my heart that you have a promise from God and you experience all that he has for you. And yes, this is it going to happen overnight? No. But will it happen in time? Pursue God. Pursue God. Pursue God. The whole idea of sacred singles is celebrating your life right now in Jesus. And you've got to get off this place of feeling like, oh my goodness, my life just isn't good. My life is struggling. I won't ever have a marriage. I won't ever have kids or whatever you want, whatever that dream is. But that isn't the dream that God intended. God intended to use your life, but to give you fruit in the middle of that. I, I think it's so crazy that that I'm here before you guys, and I'm here because I, I, I know many of you, I love you. I got married at 18. Anybody here 18? Don't get married. At 18. That's crazy. Who would do that? Yeah, John. <laughs> no, he was twenty actually. I did his wedding. Let me tell you something funny, okay? I grew up in a church very legalistic, okay? And, and boy, they couldn't talk about this stuff without making you feel really guilty. That was their job. And there's a scripture that says, it's better to marry than burn. <laughs> and that was quoted many times when I was dating my wife. So it's like, all right, either I burn or get married. Hmm. Burn, Mary, burn, Mary. I think I'll take Mary. (laughs) The reality of that, though, is that I certainly wasn't the person that God intended me to do. We have a great marriage, and it's taken a lot of work. But as you'll hear in John's message, actually, for this weekend, when you become the person God wants you to be, and the person you marry becomes that person, and as you grow toward God, that closeness and connection with one another is amazing. Now, not everybody's going to be married. That's okay. I've got friends from way back that never married. They're very happy. They feel that's God's calling for their life. I understand that. But most singles I meet want to share their life with somebody. Okay? We're not interested in starting a singles ministry that is all about a meat market. I've had this conversation with a lot of you. Unfortunately, a lot of you that I've talked to, they've found that in a lot of churches. But I want to propose something to you. I want to propose that you discover God's plan and purpose and promise for your life. And you start becoming that God person and trust God with the rest. So, what are you going to do with Singles Ministries here? We really want to. My heart, you'll know it, you'll hear it. I love connecting, I love people growing. We're going to talk about what that looks like, but it's not a meat market. We're not going to do that. But you know what we are going to do? We're going to share life together, we're going to love together, we're going to learn and meet people together, but we're not going to make you the object of that meeting. We're gonna make our passion for God in pursuit of him the object. I was explaining how this works out. You see, if we did a meat market singles ministry, what that would look like is everybody come, get dressed up in your best knock them dead outfit, okay? All right, parade around each other. You know, you guys know the thing I'm talking about. And then either go home excited that somebody paid you attention or go home very deflated, feeling like nobody paid you attention. Everybody would say that sucks. And I agree. But what if we say, hey, a bunch of us are going to go help a lady and paint her house because she's not able to do that. Guess what we do? We throw on our grubbies. We don't put makeup on. I'm speaking for the girls. (laughs) We clarify that, just so you know. We don't do our nails, you know, keep that tread running. But we all grab a hammer and a paintbrush and we go help somebody. You'll find out more about the real person painting back and forth than you will, in some singles mingles. Why not be a church of singles that love God, pursue God, and help one another, and in the middle of that, let God take care of the rest. Let the fruit of that take care of it. You're here in my heart now. I'm not a singles pastor. I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know, but I care about our singles, and I care about, in my position that Greg has given me, or Greg, that John has given me, to do this ministry of connecting that leads to community, all right, of knowing God, not just in our heads, but with our hearts, about using all of our gifts and talents to serve and to become people who are really excited about what God wants to do. You're here in my heart. So we're going to do stuff like that, and let me make sure you understand. I don't have one. The only avenue we have to know where to start is that summer light and fresh, okay? Okay. And everybody's like, oh, do I fill that out? Yes. Kimmy, it's, it's about going to a barbecue and long games, like, like the one they outlawed, Jarts. Y'all remember that game? It was killing people. Some of you are young and don't know about this. There were these, just these pointed spikes with a thing on it, like an arrow. And you'd throw them into this little hoop. And people would be standing there and right in the foot or right in the head. It's killing people. They outlawed them. Is that what you're talking about, jarts? Okay. Bocce ball, crochet. What's the? Croquet. It's been a long day. Forgive me. All right. I promise I'll wind this down. You know, if I get off script, it really gets bad, so... Okay, here's what I need you to do. Help us help you. We're not gonna do a singles mingles thing. We're gonna love God and pursue God and do things together. But the only way we'll know to let you know is by you filling that out. And there's a lemonade stand out there. Where's my Grant? Grant's my guy. Grant is my intern. From Baylor University, he's here this summer. He has a heart for discipleship and spiritual transformation. He's a big help to me this summer. He's going to be out there pouring lemonade. Hey, if you want to meet somebody and just talk about what God is doing in your life, fine, grab a lemonade. But please, take a moment, fill that out, put your interest, all right? I like golf. I don't know if anybody here likes golf. But what a great chance to do something together, go golfing, and share life, all right? Some of you might have skills like croquet skills (laughs) all right we'll croquet a little blanket for somebody no Uh, we might find some projects that are perfect and the only way you'll know and we'll kind of just a blast we'll just say hey we're all going to go do this it's the only ways help us out if you're a college student please check college student because we're going to do some special things some of you are home for this summer And your kind of life is like, it's different. I could say this now because your parents aren't here. But if they're in this, if this is a regular service, I couldn't say this. I remember when I went to college and came back, things were different. I wasn't the kid anymore. I was a college student. I could go out and do what I want and come home. But when you get back home, you're feeling like you can't do that. And it's just different. Your life is at college now. So you're a little out of sorts for the next couple months. So we want to do some special stuff, just hang out stuff for college students. Some of you like hiking and biking and and all sorts of things. Please put your interest down. We're going to target that, cross-reference things, and have a lot of fun this summer, summer light and fresh. But understand this, it's not about just connecting. It's about building community, okay? But none of that happens without God. Pursue God. I want you to stand. This is a... A private moment here. And I want you to close your eyes. JJ and the worship team's coming, but I want to ask you a private question. And the reason I'm asking you to close your eyes is I want you to feel free to respond without any, you know, feeling of condemnation. I, I have a couple questions. Number one, you're here tonight and you would say, Terry, I, I've really lost the promise. I've lost the dream. I just feel like I'm just kind of wandering through life. And I would like God to begin to shape that dream in me again. Would you raise your hand? All right. Thank you so much, you guys. Man, my heart goes out to you. Second question. You're here. Maybe you're moving forward on your life. Most of it's making sense. But you're struggling with the idea of your stuff, maybe being too much of an orphan and not being really a child of God and not really pursuing God. And you'd like to say, Terry tonight, I really want my heart to change. I wanna be a pursuer of God and I'd like you to pray for me. Would you all raise your hand? All right, many of you. Father, for these two, that groups that have raised their hands, my heart, my heart is here and I know Jesus, your heart is here. And I know that Jesus, you want us to be sacred and single and able to pursue the dream and the promise you have given everyone here. You wanna give us the power and the strength and the victory over any battle we're facing. Lord, I just feel right now to pray for those that are feeling great discouragement, even some depression over their life. I pray, Lord, you just lift that right now and just open their eyes to see as they pursue you and love you a new promise filling their heart this very night. I thank you, Lord, for everyone that has come tonight. I pray, Lord, that you will bless them for taking the time and the fruit of this night will begin to speak in their heart. And those that can come back next week and hear what John has on his heart, that you would just prepare them for a new dimension of pursuing God as a result of that. I pray that in Jesus' name. Everyone's